Welcome to this week's podcast from the Eucliping Church. We hope you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. And it's great that you are in the house of the Lord. You could have chose to be somewhere else, but you chose to be here. And I always say that when we come to meet with God, God meets with us. Hello, Lord. Go ahead, tell him. Hello. Yeah, let him know you recognize he's here. I, I would hate to go in to see my family or to, to, to be around friends and I don't even recognize I'm there. Think about that. Don't even recognize that I'm there. That would be pretty sad. You would leave pretty disappointed, right? Amen. Well, we don't want to disappoint God. We want to let him know we know you're here and we need you. The two men on the road to Emmaus, when they finally were talking and walking, and he said, what's wrong with you guys? Don't you know they crucified Jesus? Don't you know what all's happening? And now they stole the body now, and they're telling everything. They're just talking. Don't even realize it's Jesus right there with them. But when they went into communion, communion is communicating with God, spending time with God, and when they went into communion with him, then they recognized him. I want you to recognize him. I want you to recognize he's here. Dr. Jesus, the healer. Banker Jesus, the financer. Come on, mortgage Jesus. Everything you have need of is in him. And we want to recognize that he is here. Amen? So thank you, Lord. Now the two men on the road to Emmaus, when they recognized he was there, they said, don't go. Don't go. They held on to him. You got to stay here with us. So go ahead and tell him, don't go. Don't go. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Joanne and Randy can't heal a headache on a fly. So if you're going to be looking to us, you're going to be disappointed. So we got to grab a hold of him. Don't go. Don't go. See, it's characteristic for Jesus to heal. He shows up. It's characteristic. He doesn't come into the church house and you need a miracle. You need a healing and him walk amongst you and him come up to you and say, oh, so you need a healing. Yeah, I'll be right back. I left it at home. No, it's characteristic for Jesus to heal if he's here, right? He says, arise, take up your bed and walk. How are you? Good to see you. I've known these guys a long time here. <laughs> Coming. And those and some other. Some of you are new faces to me. So you don't know me. I'm Joanna Coe Herndon. And it's good to be here. And this is my husband, Randy Herndon. I am the daughter of Jack Coe. Many of you say, well, who's that? I never heard of him. And I understand. He was known in the 40s and 50s. He passed away at a young age in 1956. And he was 38 years old. Now, a lot of people said, oh, my goodness, how did a man that did that many miracles had all those things die so young that the devil killed him? Or that shouldn't have happened. But no, seven months before his death, God told him to get his house in order. He was going to take him. And he said, so you need to line everything up. And he began to say, I'm not going to see the visions and dreams and plans I had. He got life insurance that took care of all of us kids and mom. Well, financially, prepared everything, everything to be paid off at his death. So God let him get things planned out. 
When Jack Coe had the largest tent in the world, my father held 22,000 people with another 10 to 20,000 people standing outside. Blind eyes open, the lame walk, the deaf hear. People came out of wheelchairs, off of hospital beds. It was such a mighty move of God that they came by the thousands. They came at 12 noon waiting for church to start that night at 7. I said, what? 12 noon? We can't even make it at 7 at night. We do good to make it on time. Come on. So he had been an alcoholic before he got saved. When he got saved, all he could say was, hot dog, I got it. Hot dog, I got it. He hot dog got it. My grandma hot dog got it. The butcher man hot dog got it. And all that will be in here. He got locked up in nine different nut wards while he was in the army because they thought he was crazy. And then they'd say, well, the only problem with you is you just got too much Jesus in you. Woo! Wouldn't you like to be that kind of an example? Amen. They say, well, I don't like people think I'm out of my mind. Well, we are. Just go ahead and admit it and face it. He said, this mind being you that's in Christ Jesus, so you're not supposed to be in your mind anyway. You're supposed to be in his mind. Amen. And when we get more like him and more in his mind, they're going to think we're crazy. That's good. Anyway, he wrote his own life story book. And so if you want to know more about who this man is and how he got it, all of this in, into the largest tent in the world with all the many miracles, you can read about it. He was alive when he wrote this book. Then he wrote also a book called Curing the Incurable. Doctors say there's incurable diseases they cannot cure, but Dr. Jesus says, I can. That's what the man with leprosy said. If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will. It's my will. I will. <laughs> he said, well, I, if it, I just want God's will. It, it said, if God wants to heal me, I want God's will. Well, I just told you what his will was. His will is to heal you. Calvary was to pay the price for your sin, sickness, and disease so that you may be set free. He came because he knew the devil was a bully. He was, he was picking on you. And he came so that you may be healed, saved, and delivered so the bully couldn't get pick, picking on you. Amen. And so then when the bully is, all you have to say is, Jesus. And all of a sudden it's like, go ahead, wear your hat. What do you want to do now? Look who's with me. Some of you just forget who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Then we have the book from A.A. A. Allen. A.A. Allen was also a very powerful man of God. Back then they called it the ABCs of Revival. A.A. A. Allen, William Branham, Jack Coe. He wrote the book called The Price of God's Miracle Power. So sometimes when you say, well, I want what all these anointings have, I want to be like them. Are you willing to pay the price? I can tell you, a lot of people can tell you the cost, the price of what they went through to be where they are today. Amen? And so we have to know. I'm excited we have the disciple crosses. Now, understand that uh, trucks and ships are out in bay and some things aren't going to get here in time for Christmas. But don't worry. I got a table full of stuff. You can get your Christmas presents here. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Now, this one is a great Christmas gift to give, and it's a great gift for yourself. It's called the Disciple Cross. As you can see, it's for young and old. It's also all sizes. You can make it long and short. You can wear your short or long, or you can also for big necks and little necks. Amen? 
But the main thing is the man who started these disciple crosses wanted it to be a testimony and a witness. And so he says, when people walk up to you and says, oh, I like your necklace, you can take it off and say, this right here represents the whip they beat Jesus with. These spikes represents the nails that went into his hands and his feet. And this wrapped around represents the crown of thorns that went around his head. So when you, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And so it's a great witnessing tool just to begin to talk to him about Jesus. I was telling them that this one lady said that people in her neighborhood made fun of her and didn't like her. And so she bought several crosses, says, I'm just going to give him a gift. I always heard to bless your enemies. So we want to get even with our enemies. But the Bible says bless them. So she decided to buy them some disciple crosses, went around knocking on the door, said, I bought something from you for you, but I want to tell you the story. Three people got saved. Amen. Amen. It's worth it all. And then, of course, my favorite sermon of my dad's is God will set your fields on fire. Very powerful sermon. I do have a man told me to put a warning label on this. I sit on a CD. Yes, tell people not to listen to that in their car. I said, why? Most people buy CDs to listen to in their car. Not that one. Not that one. I said, how come? He said, I had to pull over and get in the floorboard four times and cry out to God. Well, I didn't put a warning label. I just warned you. Amen. And I hope you do have to pull over and cry out to God. There's also DVDs to see the miracles. Cancer pulled off a face, deaf ears open, uh, people's backs being healed. Uh, you know, one thing I like in one of them that I saw my dad do, a man came up and he could barely move and his back was killing him. My dad said, your back really hurts? Uh, yeah. He said, really? He got behind him and he grabbed his shoulders and he put his knee right in, he said, in the name and he just forced him. You got, uh, 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 and then he pushed him down, uh, and all of a sudden, up, down, up, down, the man got healed. Now, I don't say go around doing that to people unless you're listening to God, amen? You could break or hurt somebody's back, but you just see some awesome things. He would kick the wheelchairs out from under them and, and say, run, walk, and, and they would. They'd run all over that tent, so it's exciting to watch the move of God, Amen. CDs with music, so if you like those good old time songs, there's a couple of CDs. Bandanas that we pray over for healing, deliverance, and salvation. So we do have some prayer cloths, and we'll pray over them if you want. But if you want to get something to give somebody and they don't accept prayer cloths, then you can buy them one and give it to them as a gift and don't tell them it's been prayed over. And God will work on them. Amen. Cards with DVDs, baby, wedding, birthday, beautiful sceneries. Look on the back of them. It'll show you some of the scriptures and sceneries, and they're very peaceful and very anointed. So I'm excited to be back here. I'm excited to meet some of you new faces. Uh, I'm also happy my husband's with me. Many of you prayed for him. He was in the hospital for 20 days, and it didn't look good. But I asked the Lord, I said, are you going to take him? Because I want to know, because I'm going to fight that hospital to get in there and be with him. But if, but because they wouldn't let me in. And I thought I might get arrested. And he said, no, he will live. But it was a struggle. It seemed like at times 
It didn't look good, but Dr. Jesus said he's going to live. Amen. He even asked me once, you think I'm going to live? Because they're telling him he's not going to make it, all this other stuff. I said, you're going to live. I already talked to God. Amen. So I knew. I just stood on what he had already told me. But because of your prayers, because you agreed with me, because you cried out, he is here with us. And I thank God. And I want him to come and greet you. God uses him to see through bodies sometimes. He uses him for giving a word. Episcopalian boy. I'm telling you, used to be a little altar Episcopalian boy, and then God got a hold of me, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he, I don't. Sometimes I even say, "Who is this man?" When he gets in the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah! Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and last night, and tonight? Amen. Uh, I want to share a few uh, thoughts here with you this morning. And uh, just listen to these. Let them soak in a little bit. They're a lot, they're a lot of fun, really. Uh, out of 100 people, 30 of them will never change. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, glad I didn't say that. <laughs> glad she said that. <laughs> Pastor ain't glad about that at all. <laughs> Oh, man, does that mean seven? Never mind. I'll press on here. Christians should help each other grow. And that's good, isn't it? You think about that a minute. We should all be helping each other, especially the, the new people that come in, the young people that come in. Amen? Come on, us older people need to share. Very important. Amen? I love this one. Jesus never stopped to argue with anybody. Ooh, think of that one. Never stopped to argue. You know, I, I got to thinking about that. How could anybody in their right mind argue with Jesus? Hello? Think about that a minute. Come on. All right, learn to fight small battles before you tackle the bigger ones. Oh, that's a good one. And I'll give you a good example. <coughs> I was at my cousin's place. He has a, uh, a ranch up in uh, uh, North Texas, up in uh, Jacksboro. And it's for nearly 500 acres. And he, he lives up there. And I found out one weekend that he was oppressed and possessed both. Okay. So I was, I was, I, when I found out it was like on a Sunday night, I was headed back home. And uh, uh, so on the way home, I called Joanna and told her, I said, you ain't going to believe this, you know, because I've been around this man all my life. Uh, this is a man that is, he, he speaks three languages, different languages, German being one of them. Uh, he's an instrument-rated pilot. Uh, he, he's well-educated. He's a circuit judge, which means he goes to three different places, you know, every week. And, uh, man, I, I could go on forever about this. I need to stop uh, because the story about him could last the whole rest of the day. But, uh, yeah, uh, no, I don't think so, honey. Uh, I don't think some of these folks could handle some of that, I'm telling you, you know. 
because it, it is real detailed and uh, it was it, it really showed why we shouldn't hello tackle things by ourselves sometimes, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Come on. And when when I stopped and told when I pulled the truck over, told her what was going on, she said, "Get back up there and cast that thing out." And I said, "All right." So I pulled the truck over. Well, while I was sitting there, we got off the phone. I started talking to the Lord. Hello, come on. And inquiring of Him what I should do. You know what He told me? Go back home and get more information. Come on. Because he knew I didn't have enough on me right, right then, right? Now, another three weeks went by, and we went back up there. We, meaning me and Joanna. But we got a lot of information in between. But what was really scary about all that was some of the pastors that we know, some of the preachers we know, said, uh, we asked them to come on with us. No, I'm not going, and you don't need to go either. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I had to go. I knew it. There's just I, If I had to go by myself, I was going to do it. And that that we went up there, and, and uh, he got gloriously, gloriously set free. And it was never anything the way I thought it would be. I mean, his head didn't turn around, and he didn't throw up and do all this junk, you know, that we've seen on TV or movies. He didn't do any of that. Uh, it, it was totally awesome how it happened because we just, I just listened to the Holy Spirit tell me what I need to do. Amen. So, here again, that was a big thing, but, but I had to ask him what to do beforehand. Hello, not get in a situation that you can't get out of, especially when you're dealing with demons. Come on. Come on. Okay. Get information. Oh, me. Christians absolutely have to have priorities. Oh, is that true? Think about that a minute. The Word of God will make a way for itself. It sure will because it's the almighty Word of God. Amen? How many people have been on a mission trip? Now, that's pretty good. Pretty good. But what this says is really neat. Never, never go on a mission trip for adventure. I'm going to tell you something. You get yourself in a lot of trouble. I'll, I'll even go even further. If, 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 if There's places that you can go that you will not come back if you go for adventure. I'm telling you, I'm serious. This is not an exaggeration. You got to be real careful. You got to do a lot of thinking before you do this, a lot of, a lot of praying before you do it. Amen? Never go for adventure. That's not what it's about at all. <laughs> Jesus, do you realize Jesus always relied on the Holy Spirit? Hello? Listen, me and Joanna do all the time. In what? Everything. Everything. The book of Romans still has answers for today's problems. And, and what I found out about Romans, and you can read Romans in King James, and you go, what? So get you a translation. There's nothing wrong with translation, but yeah, I don't want to get too far from King James. Best thing to do is get a parallel. 
So you can read King James right here, and you go, what does that mean? You go right across the page. Oh, okay. That's the reason to use a translation. Amen? There's a there's a uh, uh, an app on your phone that's, uh, what is the name of that thing? Spectrum, thank you. And what it does is it comes with uh, King James, but it comes with four more translations. So immediately you've got five Bibles right there in your phone. Amen? So, and, and I've, heard a lot, I've heard so many people say, well, I just don't understand King James. That's not a good enough excuse, kids. There's different ways. <laughs> Come on. Okay, preaching right along here. How many people are intercessors in this room? Ah, really? That's cool. Look at this. I love it. Do you realize that every church everywhere in the world needs desperately intercessors? And what, what the Lord has pointed out to me many, many, many times is that people, people that were intercessors, come on, and, they, and I asked them, I said, have you been practicing intercessors? Uh, no. Do you know how you quit? No. Because it's just a little at a time. Just, a, you know, just like a, 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 a sheep eating in a field. And a sheep has his head down eating like this, so he's looking down all the time. He's not looking forward. So in a, few, in a, in a little while, he'll look around like, where am I at? It's the same thing there. You just get to doing things and end up saying, well, here I am. I didn't know how I got here. You remember Joanna talks about her dad's tent holding many, many, many people, 20,000 and plus. Well, what we don't say a lot about is that little tent out beside the big tent. The little tent was full of intercessor prayer warriors, 24-7. Amen? So we need those folks. And, and, and I'm telling you, I, the Lord points them out to me so many times. Oh, okay. Pressing right along here. In our Christian service, there's no such thing as unemployment. Mm. God has enough work for everybody. And if you don't believe that, you go ask old pastor. He'll put you right to work. Quickly. What did you say? Amen. Yes, thank you. Because we can do that. No, don't shake your head like that. You may need to go to work. <laughs> do, do like this. Yeah, there you go. Okay, okay. That's better. <laughs> Lord, help us all. Okay, uh, I just can't wait to see what this woman has for us again because you never know. And I'm telling you, I, I, I have to listen to her all the time. I'll just leave that alone. But I love it because she may... She may get up here. I, I know a lot of times the notes and stuff that she has and she takes, and I help her do it. And so I think, well, I know what she's going to preach. Ain't wrong. Because she'll get in a place, and she'll get up here. She'll never open that Bible. She'll never pull her notes out and, and preach straight from the Holy Spirit. And it's awesome. You know why she does that? Because of you. See, the Holy Spirit will tailor-made a sermon just for this body of people. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? That's why we serve such a great God. 
Oh, hallelujah. So with that said, let's bring her back up here and see what she has. You're awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, oh, Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in my life, mighty God. Oh, why don't you tell him? You are awesome in my life, oh, Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you my life I raise. You are awesome in my life. Mighty God, come on, sing it with me. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, oh, Father. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in my body. You say, not mine, I'm all sick, I'm all messed up. You don't know. You need to start singing these things over it. You are awesome in my body, mighty God. You are awesome in my mind, oh, Father. You are worthy of all praise to you. My life I raise. You are awesome in my body, in my mind, in my heart, in my legs, in my back, in my eyes. Come on. Mighty, mighty, mighty God. You are awesome in my life. Mighty God, oh, you need to realize that everything that's going on and everything that's happening to you and everything you're going through, he's still awesome. He's still awesome. Say, well, I'd be so awesome. Why am I going through this? Well, if you've been here, you'd find out on some of it you got to go through to get to. I said you got to go through to get to. There are places God is taking you through something to get you to something. Amen. And he's trying to show you. He said the children of Israel had to go through the wilderness to get to the promised land. Paul had to go through the shipwreck to get to Rome. Joseph had to go through the sailing in the pit to the palace, to the prison, back to the palace to feed the nation. So what are you up to in my life, God? 
You are awesome in my life. Mighty God. Now we can change our way of thinking, huh? You are awesome in my life. Oh, Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in my life. You are awesome in my family. You are awesome in my finances. You are awesome in my church. You are awesome in my city. You are awesome in my government. We let God start taking over. Come on. Mighty, mighty, mighty God. Mighty, mighty, mighty God. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I ask that the words that I speak today be the words you want spoken. You said that Psalms 23, 5, you prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. So the table's already set. We've got to worship. That's a great way of just starting the appetizers off into the main course. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that in our worship, not to worship worship, but to worship you. And we thank you, Lord, for people who have come to worship you and to know you more and to learn and sit at your feet. I thank you for those that are hungry and those that aren't, that you're going to help them get hungry and that they're going to begin to know you as Lord of their life and that they're going to begin to surrender their life to you to let you be Lord because that's the reason they're in the mess. They are because they hadn't let you to be Lord of their life to begin with. So we just ask for your help today and your guidance. What you want to feed us today. We want to eat it all. We want to take all of it and consume it within us. Not to leave anything on the table. Because tonight's going to be another hot meal. And so we're going to enjoy today's meal in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They say that when the oil derricks and the people are working out on those oil tankers. That in the middle of a storm... They don't abandon the oil derrick. But instead, when a storm begins to break out, out on those oil tankers or in those oil, uh, what do they call them, drilling places, platforms and things, what they do in the middle of the storm is they drop anchor. And the bigger the storm, the more anchors they drop. What's that song, The Anchor Holds? It's time to start dropping anchor, church. We've been talking about the hard times and the trials and the things people are going to, and it's been pretty tough, and some of you have been in the middle of the storm, some of you have been in the wilderness, some of you have been in the desert, some of you are in the valley, some of you are on the mountaintop. Everybody's in a different position today, but God knows it's been tough what's been going on. But this isn't a time to abandon ship. This isn't a time to reposition yourself this isn't a time in the middle of the storm to say well let's just move and change everything this is a time to drop anchor and get ready for what God's taking you through to get to many times when storms comes and situations and problems we want to run and we don't want to deal with it but you've got to because God says I'm going to help see you through he didn't say, well, I promise you, if you give everything to me, you'll never have a storm or a problem. 
Even Jesus had many storms and many problems. And, and Christians understand that through these adversities, it strengthens us. If you were always on the mountaintop, you wouldn't understand the valley. And if you were always in the valley, you would never understand the mountaintop. Some people say, well, all my life's been a valley. We, uh, no, you wouldn't even be around if you stayed in the valley forever. And some people who's on the mountaintop forever, they're not. And I, I know as Christians, I say we're not in our right mind, but some of those people are somewhere else. They're like, my husband used to tell me because when I didn't like things, I, he, he said I'd go to La La Land. He said, you just need to come to reality. You're in la-la land. I said, leave me in la-la land. I like it. Amen? But there's some things we have to learn even through our la-la land. Hallelujah. So whenever there's everything coming against you, that's not a time to run and hide, but it's a time to drop anchors. That's why Psalms 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So he's 24-7. Every minute, every second, when you're in a, a, enough is enough, it's time to look up, help's on the way. I lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. I'm looking up. He said, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. So for those of you who hadn't been here in Mark 6, we've been talking about people who get into a desert place who were really kind of preaching some of Mark 6. We just hadn't got far past the desert place. We've talked about the disciples and the meetings and the revival and the move of God and how they got excited. But God, Jesus said, let's go to a desert place. So sometimes you wonder how you get there, how you get to this storm, how you get in the desert place. In this case, Jesus invited them. And they went. I'm like, no, let's talk about this, Lord. I love you, but I don't want to go to a desert place. I've been there. And it wasn't fun. It was a wilderness. You know what I'm talking about. And everybody, but Jesus is going to be there. Yeah, well, that's okay. You go ahead, Jesus. But when you really know Jesus, then yes, you can handle the desert place because you will find in the desert place there is provision in the desert. What happened to the children of Israel? There was a cloud by day and a fire by night and fresh manna every day. And that's in the wilderness. There was constant provision, three miracles a day. We can have miracles in the middle of the wilderness, in the misery of the desert, down in the valley when everything seems a storm is impossible. Get ready because there's a move of God that will begin to stir and you will stand like you never stood before when everything looked impossible and Satan thought he chopped your legs off. He chopped you down. Woo! I'm still standing. We were growing up, six of us kids, and my dad with the tent. We liked to go home. We didn't have enough church two and three times a day. We had to go home and play church. So it wasn't just church, church, church. We went home and we decided who we, okay, we're going to preach and we're going to pray for the sick. And so we were supposed to take turns, but my brother, Jack Coe Jr., decided that he would always try to take charge, so we'd have to run in, Mom, 
Jack won't let us preach, and it's our turn. He's doing it again. So she'd have to come in and referee to let each of us take our turn preaching. But I remember one time my brother Jack was preaching, and, of course, he'd line us up and pray for the sick, and, and you know, we'd fall out because we saw the people fall out. And he'd say, you're healed? Okay, we'd fall out. We didn't even have catchers because they didn't know what catchers were back then. And I'm not saying anything against that. We have to have catchers today because there's people who are suit conscious, crazy, all kinds of. Plus, it's to protect you. It's to keep you in a safe place. It's, it's to help to know that somebody is there to, to just kind of like Moses had when he needed help to lift those arms in a battle. Sometimes just knowing somebody's behind you, backing you up, and somebody's putting a cloth over your head and your Kleenexes, you're in a safe place. Isn't that good? So that's why he said everybody's got work to do because sometimes it, whatever your hands find to do, do it. That means sometimes it may be just handing the Kleenex. Or at the end of the service, pick up what my husband calls sheep droppings. Do you know what those are? Right here. So when you find those Kleenexes all wadded and on the floor, that's sheep droppings. Anyways, so <laughs> I forgot now I was coming to a point here to tell you something else, and I got off track. I know. I'm telling you. Help me, Holy Spirit. Somebody tell me, take me back where I was. Oh, yeah, he was preaching. So he laid hands. Now, remember, in the middle of the storm, you can still stand, right? And so he told my older sister, Becky, he prayed for her, and he said, you're healed, and she wouldn't go down. And she said, I'm not going down. Even if I am healed, I'm not going down. He said, yes, you are. You are healed, and you're going down. So he prayed for her again, and she still didn't go down. And he said, I said, you're healed. Go down. She said, well, I'm not going down. So he pushed her down. She got back up, and he pushed her down again. And she got back up, and he pushed her down, and he sat on her and held her down. And all of a sudden, she looked up at him and she said, you may be holding me down. You may be sitting on me, but inside, I'm still standing. People, you got to know, no matter what the devil's throwing out at you, no matter how he pushes you around, no matter what he does, saying it don't matter, I'm still standing. God wants you to know who you are in Christ Jesus so that you can say, devil, how dare you defy the armies of God. I'll chop your head off and feed you to the birds. You're strong and mighty in him. Luke 9 and 1 says power and authority. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit so you could walk in his power and his authority. You can tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and dragon. You can trample under feet. Fee, fi, fo, fum. Look out, devils, here we come. Quit putting up with this stuff. When he tells you, I don't care, I'm going to push you down and I'm going to sit on you. I'm still standing. Man. On occasion... Occasional call for help is not a substitute for a daily life of trusting God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an unexpected end. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. 
You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Bible says, seek and you shall find. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Sometimes we don't have things because we didn't ask. Just ask. Well, I just wish this would happen. God's just waiting on, okay, well, I wish to do it for you, but you hadn't asked me. Seek. See, I know what it is to seek. I have a little granddaughter who likes to play hide and go seek, and really all my grandkids do. You know, you count to ten, they go hide, and, and, and so she'd say, okay, let's play, let's play hide and seek. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and she would run hide. Now, when they're real little, they're easy to find. Real easy to find. So you go over and you say, oh, there you are. I see you under that chair. Oh, let's play it again. So you play it again. And so then you count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And she's in the same place. <laughs> so you have to pretend like, where have you gone? Where are you, Jay? Where's my little Jaden? Oh, there you are. Oh, let's do it. And you do this over and over. But when you play hide-and-go-seek and your older grandkids are there, they find places you didn't even know you had in your house. <laughs> and you are hunting, and you are looking, and you are searching. Where are you? Finally, sometimes you say, I give up. Come out, come out, wherever you are, I give up. Come on. Because you can't find them. You find out that they, they found your dirty clothes basket and put all the dirty clothes on top of them. Never even think to look in the dirty clothes. One time, they decided to hide in a suitcase. <laughs> they could come up with things you're like, where did you get this from? I did have to tell them, do not hide in the washer or dryer or the refrigerator. There's places you cannot. It's off limits. You have to set the rules up front with the older ones. Because they're all about staying hidden. You don't find them. You know, it's kind of like when we first come to that time in the Lord. We just know, Lord, it was right here. It was right here. I knelt down and I found you. It was right here. And each time you come back, you just kneel in that same place. Oh, God, there you are. It's right here that I, yes. And so it's kind of like my little granddaughter when we first starting as little babies. We're just right there every time. This is the spot. This is the place. But one day, oh, God, oh, God, where are you? Where are you? I can't find you. Hello? Every time I've come right here, you've been right there. Now you're not there. What's going on? Seek and you shall find. But he didn't say just seek. He said seek with your whole heart. Wow. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way in me. So he says, seek with your whole heart. 
So he already knows the thoughts he thinks towards you. He already the thoughts of peace. You've been going through a lot of depression. Been going through a lot of turmoil. Been going through a lot of troubles. Does that the thoughts he has? Well, let's see how long you can take it with this. Let me see how much you can handle with this. No, he doesn't want you angry. He doesn't want you hurt and wounded and afflicted. He doesn't want you in sickness and disease and pain. What was this all about? It was to take care of every bit of that. So I have thoughts towards you of peace. A peace that passes all understanding. John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. This is where you can just step out and say, peace be still. In the middle of a storm. He even showed us that we could. Peace be still. Now I have been in real natural storms knowing that Jesus spoke to the storms. We were in Louisville, Kentucky. And, of course, in Texas, they had the big storm that came through called Ike. Some of you remember the Ike storm? So that was in Texas. We're in Kentucky. We're packing up our bags at the end of the service. We prayed for people. It's in the afternoon. And all of a sudden, people's hollering, get in the basement, quick, get in the basement, quick. And I'm like, what are you talking about, get in the basement? There's 90 miles an hour winds. Ike is coming through from Texas. Came all the way to Kentucky. And so they're all rushing down to the basement. I'm like, not me. And where are you going? I said, I had a brand new car sitting out there. They ain't going to get my car. I run outside. They're like telling him, get your wife. She's outside. I'm speaking. You won't touch this car in the name of Jesus. I pray, I pray the blood of Jesus. And you peace be still all around my car. There will be no damage. No. And he's coming out fixing to get me. And then he starts agreeing. Yes, in the name of Jesus, I agree. That's our brand new car. Finally, they get some people to pull us both in. And we get down in the basement. Now, while we're standing out there telephone poles are going down the street the they the roof next door of the roof come off the whole it's like somebody picked up the whole roof and here it come flying down the street then it just started tearing apart like oh my goodness flying into cars and windows i'm seeing telephone poles go right through a car it went through it into another car and i'm like you ain't touching mine they finally get us downstairs now listen to this I prayed this storm is not going to hurt us, not going to hurt this church, not going to hurt these people, and it's not going to hurt my car. I'm sorry I didn't pray for all their cars. I didn't think about that. I was a little selfish. <laughs> but I did pray for them. <laughs> Amen. So we get up out of the basement. No electricity because all the telephone poles had blown away except for in that church. They didn't even understand in the city later how the church had electricity and nobody else did. Even on both sides. Yeah. They, now, when we go out, there was also another evangelist there that was a friend of ours that knew me, and he had come too, and a few others, and they happened to be parked right next to my car. And so we went out and looked, not one, just maybe a few little leaves or something. There was not one wood, not one scratch. For my car are two cars on this side and two cars on this side. They were like, you can pray anytime. 
there's a storm. Church, you don't need to be putting up with some of these storms, not only in the natural, but in, in, in what's happening to you physically, what's happening to you around you. It's time to begin to speak what God says. Peace be still. I know because even when we were in New Jersey, Irene, Irene, the uh, National Guard was going around knocking on doors, telling people, evacuate, getting everybody to go out of town. Well, this lady had a house meeting. It was about 60 people that come to her house meeting. And this had been planned out for, she'd been waiting on this for months and months. And so she's like, I don't want to cancel the meeting. I said, well, I'm already here. We'll just have the meeting if you want. Yeah, but they're saying we all got to go. I said, well, it's up to you. Well, some of the women called and said, are you still going to have the meeting? said, yes. And their husbands are like, no, you're not going to that meeting. He said, yes, we are. We're going to the meeting. There was one of them, the man, he's standing up in this woman's. Y'all are crazy in there. Y'all are crazy in there. There's a hurricane coming, and we're not going to make it. We're to get out of town. They had closed down all the, what's those booths that, uh, toll booths. I mean, everything was shut down. The beach, they had boarded up things. People had gotten all their boats out, all kinds of things. And we're in there having church. Seriously. And he's in there telling us how crazy. And I said, I'm going to tell you how crazy I am. I'm so crazy because I know God that we can speak to this storm and tell it it can't come here. And I said, now I don't know north, south, east, from west, but all of you stand and we're going to put our hand in the direction where it says it's coming and we're going to tell this thing not to come here. We're going to command Irene to go somewhere else. And so he's in there laughing at us. You could hear him in the other room, bunch of nuts, because he's so mad because his wife said she's not leaving until after church. Then they can go out of town. And so he's watching the weather in the other room. And we all church, about 50 of us, she has 60-something in her group, but 50 of them didn't leave. They didn't evacuate. They came onto the service, and we stood, and we put our hands out, and we began to pray in the name of Jesus. Irene, you will not come here. Yeah, yeah, and he said, tell him, go in there and tell him. He's like, he's mad. This man is mad. So in, then I get back to preaching, and I hear this screaming, and I hear this hollering. He come running there. You're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it, crazy lady. Guess what? I said, what? It's turning. It's turning. It really is turning. It never hit Wildwood, New Jersey, May, Camp May, all that that it said it was going to destroy. It went on up further up east, and he told me I needed to apologize to all those people for sending it there. I said, yeah, that's what he told me the next time I saw him. Ma'am, all those people died. It's all your fault because you sent it. I said, look, I'm like, Paul, I'm in this ship, and we ain't going to die you got to know who you are in Christ Jesus and have peace about what's happening in your life. you got to have peace knowing that whatever you're going through, you're going to get to. If God tells you it's your day to go, just like he told my dad, seven months, get your house in order, you're going to go. And what's the bad news about that? This is only temporary. That is permanent. Heaven is our home. This is where we long to go and stay for eternity. Don't rush it. Amen. Let it come when God says it comes. But quit letting the devil torment you till that day. 
Well, I know, but what if, you know, the mark of the beast, they say they're going to kill people. They're going to do this. I'd be saying, hey, make sure the blade's sharp enough because I don't want headaches. Go ahead and make sure it works. I'm going home. No wonder the Christians, when they were fed to the lions, and no wonder the Christians, when they were killing them, were singing. They really knew who they were in Christ Jesus. You know what's wrong with a lot of people today? They're too much in earthly bound. You're into your possessions and your stuff. Do you know what stuff is? Silly things you find fascinating. That's what stuff is. Now, I was going to preach more on getting hungry. I was going to bypass going through to get to and just move on over to hunger and some other things because they didn't even have time to eat, so they didn't have... And, and, and instead, see, it's all y'all's fault. It all got changed. I told you. <laughs> some of you are stuck, and God wants to unstick you. You know one thing about Texas? We have that old black mud. Me and my husband couldn't figure out. We, we cross over into Oklahoma, and they got sand. Yeah, and red sand and, and sand. But in Texas, we got mud. And when you get a car stuck in mud in Texas, I'm telling you, you... And those wheels just go deeper down in it. And then pretty soon, you can't see but half of your tire because you're in this black mud. You ever get your shoes on and the more you walk on it, the more the mud clogs until your boots are so heavy you got that much mud at the bottom of your boot. And if you get into some of it and you sink down in it, you have to all slip out of your shoe just to get out. Some of you, that's where you're at. You're stuck. You got so stuck that God is saying, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to put boards under the tires. I'm trying to get a tractor to pull it out. I'm trying to get your boots off so you can keep walking. I don't want you stuck. I want you to move forward because great is he in you. Greater is he in you than he that is in the world. These weapons farmed against you are not going to prosper. You're going to hot dog get it and you're going to hot dog make it. And I'm not worried about them taking our weapons. I said, well, if you got, what do you call it when they're secret weapons? Uh, concealed, thank you. You got concealed weapons? I sure do. A bunch. This guy said that he, this pastor stopped at a place to eat at a, a station. It was like a truck stop. And there was 18-wheelers out there. And he went over, and I probably told some, but some of you don't know this, some others. And he said, what you got in that 18-wheeler? And he said, oh, we got 38 missiles. He said, really, what's in that other 18-wheeler? He said, another 38 missiles. And he said, you know, I was thinking, there's probably 38 missiles of prayer. But when he made that statement, I thought, oh, we got missiles. I'm an 18-wheeler in a trailer. Trailer load of missiles. When I move my mouth, when I move my feet, my praise is a weapon, my worship is a weapon, everything I do for God is a weapon. One will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. Don't you get me upset, I'll start blowing things up, devil. And you ain't getting these weapons, government. These are concealed weapons that you can't have and you never will no matter what you do. So I'm not even worried about that either because I've got weapons of warfare. 
And God, and every time one fires off or 10 fires off, or if I fire off all 38 of them, they get cocked and loaded again. You got to know who you are. You don't have to put up with this stuff from the devil. You don't have to put up for this stuff that's going on. It's time to stand. Yeah, but I'm going to hold you down. I'm still standing. Because I know who I am and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Woo! Hallelujah. This does not mean we will be spared pain and suffering or hardship, but that God will see us through to a glorious conclusion. So I want you to realize, never regret a day in your life. Go ahead and say it. Because some of you, well, I regret, or I don't like this day, or we have regrets of our past. We do have that. But you know what's so awesome? God lets you see what, where you came from. He said, look where I brought you from. You're still under construction, but you're sure a beautiful piece of work because he says you're beautifully and wonderfully made. So quit looking in the rear view mirrors and start looking forward through the windshield. Go ahead, everybody. Just break your rear view mirrors. Go ahead. That's right. Because all of you are like, I regret, I regret. No, no more. Let me tell you why. Good days give you happiness. Bad days give you experience. And both are essential to life. Say that again. Good days give you happiness. Bad days give you experience. And both are essential to life. So you got to keep going. Because happiness keeps you sweet. Trials keep you strong. Sorrows keep you human. Failures keep you humble. Hmm. Success keeps you glowing, but only God keeps you going. I'm still standing. Say it. I'm still standing. Because God will turn our tragedies to triumph, our poverty to riches, our pain to glory, and our defeat to victory. I was a victim, now I am a victor. Say it. I was a victim, but now I am a victor. Great is he in me. Victory is mine. We'll put a music on back there. I'm going to try to close. God is so big, he can cover the whole world with his love. And so small, he can curl up inside your heart. I want to say that to you again because you really need to understand, my God, how awesome he is. He's so big, he can cover the whole world with his love. And so small, he can curl up inside your heart. Some of you feel like the walls are brass, you can't touch heaven Feels like God's not hearing you. He said, no, I'm crawled up inside your heart. If you'll just seek me, you will find me. If you will just speak to the things that I've given you authority to speak to and know who you are in Christ Jesus, 
you will stand. No matter what's going on, you will stand. So stand with me, please. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are great. God, you are awesome. We don't thank you enough. We're, We're too busy like the children of Israel who murmured and complained in the wilderness. When we get out of our comfort zone and everything's not going like we want and how we like it, we're real good at complaining. God, forgive us that sometimes we think you're just Jimmy, give me. And when you don't give me, we get upset at you. Help us to know you. Thank you for crawling up inside my heart. For being there at all times with me, never leaving me nor forsaking me. Even though sometimes we choose to walk away. Sometimes we choose to get upset and and shut you out. But you said, I'm not leaving you nor forsaking you. I'm still with you. So I ask today, Lord, that you help. Some are stuck in their sickness and they can't seem to move beyond it. Some are stuck in their finances and they just think they hear the blessings and and how you want us to prosper and be in health. And yet their seed that they planted hasn't even seen the harvest yet. Some are stuck in their family problems. Some are stuck in their yesterday. Some are stuck in their abuse and their wounds and their hurts. Some are stuck in their storm and their stuff. But today... You're in our hearts. We need to get to know you more. We need to understand who you really are. So that that peace that passes all understanding. That can stand in the middle of a storm. And saying I'm going through. I'm going to make it. Jesus already paid for my healing. I'm going to make it. I will be healed. I will be set free. And it ain't about whether it's at my timing, it's God's, and it's going to happen. That we begin to grab a hold of your word, because you don't lie. If you lie, we might as well all go home. If there's one lie in the Bible, there's one little paragraph, or one even three little words of a lie, we might as well lock the doors and go home. But you don't lie. And it's time people begin to know that. So I'm asking today that as we pray for them, for their healings, what they're stuck in, that they begin to realize in this heart that's theirs, that's where you're curled up in there, that you're taking care of them, that you're healing them, and that you're setting them free. Randy and Joanna can't do it, but you told us to bring them to you. And so, Lord, that's what we're going to do. We're going to bring them to you this morning. The front's open. I want you to come on while the music's playing. And I want you to come with a heart of worship and with knowing that you're going to seek him and you're going to find him. I want you to come praying to him. It's open. Come on. You know you want it. No sense in just sitting there and waiting. Well, who's going to be first? You are. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord your healer. I don't care what you need prayer for today. Whether it's sickness, pain, storm, you're stuck, whatever it is, come. There's chairs over here if you need to sit. He's also putting some down for some who might need chairs. 
We want you to be comfortable. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to pray in tongues. Don't look to me and Randy. Don't look to what's going on. Don't You know, sometimes we become spectators. We don't need to be spectators. We need to pray. Pray as if you're your family. Pray as if your spouse. Pray as if it's your children up here. Pray hard for them. As you pray for them, you're going to find things happen in your life. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Or visit www.equippingchurch.us.